Welcome to Wrestling News Radio, the podcast from the IWC for the IWC. And this is the Raw Reaction for June the 13th, 2016. The go-home show to Money in the Bank. We got a lot to get into and a special guest here with us today. So before we get into that, we want to thank everybody listening to us on Match Sports Channel and Power Station FM. And they're online. Catch us at WrestlingNewsRadio.blogspot.com. While you're there, check out all of our social media and find us on iTunes and Facebook and do us a like and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. I have Mark Pettman today as usual, but joining us all the way from Indiana, from the Superman convention and back home safely, he is YouTube star and sensation from Cripple in the Corner, probably the only time on this show a colder cripple than me will be here. Ladies and gentlemen, Cripple Comedian Andy Emley. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, so you watched Monday Night Raw, apparently not many people did. It got a 2.04. I understand that the NBA Finals were going on at the time, but this recent trend of 2.4s, 2.2s, and now 2.0s, do you think that has anything to do with mainstream media being completely different compared to it was in the Attitude Era as far as DVDs or, or DVRs and on-demand and streaming services? Or do you think it's more about the product that's not being as interesting? Well, I thought about I thought about this, Anthony, when, when you, know, you posed this to me earlier. And honestly, I think it's about the product because I remember way back when, when Raw actually ended with some cliffhangers that made you want to watch the next week's show or, you know, the, the show ended in such a way to where you're like, Oh crap, you know, what's going to happen next, you know, or I want to tune in next week to see, you know, what's going to happen with John Cena or what's going to happen with Vince McMahon or whatever storyline they've got going on at the time. I just don't believe that their storylines are as engaging as they used to be. I think that's a very valid point. Mark, welcome to the show. Do you think Andy's spot on here? Do you think it's more about the modern technology? Um, I honestly believe that it's probably just the modern technology. I mean, if you have anything that you would like to do on a Monday, you can still watch every single show that you missed that Monday Tuesday through Saturday or Sunday of the next week and still not miss until next Monday. So as far as the actual product goes, I mean, you can go back and relive your wildest childhood moments if you want to. But the wrestling part of the product is far, far better than anything that we had in the Attitude Era. Storyline-wise, maybe not. But as far as pure wrestling goes, it's leaps and bounds better. Not only that, they have a deal with ESPN and UFC going on right now. It's pretty mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely mainstream, but uh, Andy, do you have a retort? Um, I mean, yeah, I can see the point there. You know, you've got your DVRs. You've got, you've got the fact that you can go on Hulu and watch it the next day. You know, and that kind of thing, whereas, you know, you really couldn't do that back in the day unless you really, you know, set your VCR to tape. So, and who uses a VCR anymore? Step boy. So, pretty much the show started 
on Monday Night Raw with the New Day, cutting a very, very, very controversial promo. I got the humor in it, and I personally, as a 32-year-old single male, found it hilarious. A gentleman I know that y'all both are single males, such as I, do you think that this was too much as far as being risque in a PG format? I'll start with Mark this time. No, I think I remember like a few years back when Triple H said that they removed everything from the Attitude Era, but they didn't necessarily have to to keep their PG rating. They just chose to. That way it means more whenever it's thrown out. Andy, did you have a problem with the promo itself? No, I didn't have a problem with that promo at all. In fact, I thought it was quite hilarious how they, you know, they always bring that trombone in there somehow and, you know, try to work with that. You know, um, having uh, having relations with a trombone, that, that may have been pushing it a little much, but they're they're always trying to push the envelope, you know, as much as they can and still stick with the PG rating. So I thought... I thought it was, you know, I thought it was clever how how Enzo and Cass and the New Day kind of went back and forth with that. Um, I it could have been a lot worse, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, they kind of actually went out and led to it, uh, and and Xavier was priceless with his reaction. We can tell that these teams get along and they have good chemistry, so it was fun working together. We had the Von villains cut them off. I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick and tired of Von villains interrupting good moment between the new day. So that bothered me and then the club came out. I think that Luke Gallant needs to stop saying ski after everything he says. He thinks it's funny, it's not Luke. So pretty much they just went ahead and loaded into the match that we're gonna have and letting into it was an eight man tag, the good guy teams versus the bad guy teams and the club gets the finish here over the new day. Andy, did you see that coming at the go home show, and who do you think feels like you might not be on the uh, first show next week? Who do you think walking out of there with the tag titles? I really think um, I really hope Enzo and Cass walk out with the titles uh, because I really feel that they were supposed to win that tag team match uh, in at Payback. Whenever uh, Enzo got hurt, I really feel that they were kind of they were kind of thinking about pushing them. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's time for them to uh, to step up and kind of uh, you know take the place of the New Day for a little bit. Not to say that the New Day is not entertaining, but they have been tag team champions for quite a while. Mark, are you okay with how the club got the finish over them? Did you see that coming? And I know you'll be on the post show probably in the pre show, but go ahead and tell me what your thoughts are going into Monday night. Yeah, um, the way that they had been building the club the week prior, taking out John Cena, I figured that they would get a victory. Um, most of the time, if you get a victory in the go-home Monday Night Raw, you normally don't succeed at the pay-per-view. So I'm hoping that New Day retains and then they can go ahead and cement their legacy as the best WWE Tag Team champs of all time. I think Michael Cole said they had like 32 days or 31 days, something like that. So, new day all the way. After that, we land to Rusev 
We think we're about to hit a max with Tiny Thumbnail, but Ruthless ambushes him. I'm kind of glad he did, but it saved me from another Tiny Thumbnail match. Amy, are you excited at all for that Ruthless Tiny Thumbnail match? Do you think that Ruthless may possibly lose his title? No, because uh, I, you know, they've uh, they've been pushing, you know, Rusev to be pretty strong. I don't, I don't see him dropping the title to Titus O'Neil. Um, you know, I just, I don't believe that he's a he's a strong enough singles competitor at this point to maybe carry the U.S. title. And uh, you know, uh, I feel that you know, maybe maybe Titus O'Neil is going to be too hurt per se per the storyline to uh to actually be able to pull off a victory at the pay-per-view so i think rusev will probably retain at money in the bank mark what about you i mean you think that never is throwing titus the bone here for being a good boy and serving this suspension well yeah i mean i i assume that that's what it is and i'm hoping that that's what it is because Zack Ryder had to wait 10 years to finally get an Intercontinental title, so maybe Titus has to wait six more months in order to get the U.S. championship. I don't know. I just have this bad feeling that Titus is going to take it off of Rusev, but I don't want that to happen. I really, really hope not. Like Amy said, they've done so much damage to Rusev in the past, and it finally feels like he's getting that momentum again. And I don't want that momentum to get me for a guy that they're throwing a bone. Can you hear agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, like I said, I don't think I don't think Titus is ready for a for a title reign at all. I don't believe he's well. I you know I just don't believe he's paid his dues as far as the single competitors concerned to uh, to carry a title like that. So uh, I'd have to agree with you on that. Fair enough, fair enough. Now we move on to the Amber of the Asylum. This is what I was most excited for before Raw started going into it, and it probably lived up to its hype for me. Dean Amber brings out Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. They reminisce over their history, going over good funny stories back in the past. And then Rollins, of course, made himself the ultimate heel, getting himself over with how dirty he is. Um, Mark. Did you like the segment overall, especially with Dean Ambrose, benefited off getting the dirty beans and knocking out both Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns? Yeah, I enjoyed the segment. I believe that we're going to see a triple threat either at SummerSlam or WrestleMania. If they really want to build SummerSlam, it'll probably be at SummerSlam. But the overall banner back and forth between the three is pretty entertaining. And apparently, Japan is the place that teams like to go drink at. The club referenced drinking in Japan. So did Seth. Apparently, Dean was passed out somewhere else. I don't know. But wellness policy, go look into teams traveling together. That's a good point. Osaka, dangerous place. Amy, did you think the segment delivered? And do you think this is what it's going to be getting Dean Ambrose over with? Yeah, I thought the segment was pretty entertaining. I mean, Dean's entertaining on the mic anyway. So is Seth, and Roman tries to be as much as he can. But let's let's face it, Roman's mic skills are never what they 
they need to be or should be. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, you know, it was nice to see the swerve at the end where, you know, Dean Ambrose took them both out to kind of set up to where it kind of makes you think, hey, Dean may have a chance to win the Money in the Bank contract. Uh, so I thought I thought overall the segment was really entertaining and how they brought in, you know, different things about what they'd been through and that kind of thing. And Seth had acted like he was kind of their friend, buddy, buddy. And then toward the end of the segment, he turned heel and they was kind of glaring at him. You know, of course, that was entertaining as well. So I thought overall the segment was as entertaining as it could be, you know, being that you had those three guys in the ring. So you are on record of not being a Roman Reigns fan. Well, I am a Roman Reigns fan as far as like um, his his wrestling ability, that kind of thing. Um, let's just take it back to the fact that I was a, at a live event, a live SmackDown taping event in uh, here in Evansville. Probably, I don't know, that was probably almost a year ago. And I had seats right to where um, Roman Reigns came out at. Um, you know, I could have... I could have reached out and touched Roman if I wanted to. I've kind of always been a Roman Reigns fan. Um, I asked Jerry Lawler about this because I got to meet him in Metropolis, Illinois this past weekend. And I said, hey, Jerry, you know, I'm a big Roman Reigns fan. What's the big deal with people not liking Roman? And he said, well, you know, we had a lot of people hurt at the time. We had Cena hurt. We had Rollins hurt. You know, we had to pick a guy to push. And Roman was the guy they picked. And he said, you know, people aren't going to be happy with the decision no matter what we do. And for some reason, people just don't think that Roman Reigns was ready for that push. But Jerry told me that WWE really didn't have a choice being that, you know, they had so many people on the roster that were hurt or not available. I don't know if I agree with Jerry for the simple fact that if you say it could have been anyone, I don't think so. Because I think if it would have been Dean Ambrose or it would have been Seth Rollins, they would have been okay with that. But I, I, to your fact, I, I think they knew well ahead of time that Roman was the chosen one, and they were not ready to accept that. I think they would have accepted Dean or Seth, though. Uh, Mark, do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could hear it from the pop that Dean Ambrose got facing Roman Reigns, that if Dean was the chosen one that would have dethroned Roman and went on, uh, I think it would have been a lot different. I mean, eventually during a title reign, you always have, if you live long enough to be the hero, then you're going to die the villain or however that saying goes, you're always going to get some booze. Even CM Punk's title reign, he had to flip the script because he started getting booze and became heel midway through his title run so eventually yes but at the get-go i think dean would have been fine so we're going to move on now to a match where charlotte our champion goes down again she loses to Paige cleanly and mark he doesn't have a problem with that but he does have a problem with how boxing the match was mark go ahead yeah, I don't know if just someone just decided to mail it in, but there was a few miscues between the two. They kicked each other's feet a couple times in the very beginning. Uh, I don't know if someone forgot their cue or if they were both just trying to improv the match and just go for whatever they felt necessary at the time. And then Charlotte's feet, like it looks like she stood up 
during the rampage. But, I mean, yeah, as far as the psychology of the match, Paige has already beat her once because Natty stopped Rick from interfering, and then now Dana interferes and cost her a match against Paige, and they're having a tag team match or whatever, so it kind of alludes to there might be some division or something. Yeah, they're definitely trying to tell a story that Charlotte can't win without help. And I'm not really sure how I feel about that all the time. I'm okay that she's a heel, but I feel like every now and then, your champion needs to be able to meet somebody without help. And then the ridiculing of Dana afterwards. Andy, were you okay with it? And do you know where they're going with Honestly, the women's division has me really confused right now with the, whatever the hell they're trying to do. Um, you know, she she scolded her and said that, oh, you know, you wouldn't be here without me and this and that. And, you know, in, in true flair fashion, she she acted like she was better than everybody else and that kind of thing. So I, I really honestly have no idea where they're going with the women's division most of the time when a women's division match comes on the TV, uh, I have a hard time paying attention and trying to see what's going on because it doesn't really feel like they're, uh, they're, they're either trying hard enough or the storyline is just not engaging enough for me to, uh, you know, for me to be able to pay attention. Uh, I guess that's just me. Well, let's leave it at you. Mark, do you agree or disagree? I don't know. For the, I mean, for the most part, if given the time, I think the women can go in a pretty well fashion. But I haven't really liked this Charlotte run the entire time. And I'm hoping at some point in time, Natty gets a payoff for this whole thing. Because running a feud with her for the last, what, five or six pay-per-views now? including a network special in between that, she really hasn't gotten anything. And I'm afraid that this tag team match is going to be Natty's payoff. You don't get the belt, but you get a beat Flair. Uh, that would be a crappy payoff. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I mean, look at how many times Natty's put herself, you know, in harm's way and kind of, you know, kind of paid her dues. So maybe, you know, maybe they're going to, you know, let her walk away with a victory. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, I really don't know where they're going with this. So I'm going to be as surprised as everybody else how that, you know, how this all uh, pans out at Money in the Bank. So we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Definitely. I definitely think that eventually Dana's going to have to help her retain her. And on the go-home show, that she gets gold and that definitely kind of point for Charlotte having made advantage there. We're going to move on to Seamus and Zack Ryder. They set this up earlier in the night because Zack Ryder was laughing at Seamus and making fun of him last week for Apollo Crews, and he was going to use Zack Ryder as a message, and boy did he ever. Seamus wiped Zack Ryder out pretty quickly. Andy, were you impressed or thumbs down to this? Um, it, 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 I thought it was a decent match. It was pretty short. You know, uh, they went outside of the ring there at one point, and, uh, you know, it looked like Sheamus had hit the steel pole. Uh, he, he he sold that as well as he could, but he was still able to come back from uh, from actually hitting the steel pole to uh, a bro kick out of nowhere to, 
to win the match. Um, I remember when uh, when you'd hit a, a steel pole and uh, not be able to continue a match. Uh, so that was uh, that was kind of interesting to see that. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see Zack Ryder pull off some of his signature moves and Sheamus still be able to uh, to come back and uh, and win the match. So, like I said, overall it was a short match, uh, but uh, I kind of felt that they were they were probably going to let Sheamus win that one. So I think that was kind of my problem with it from the simple fact you said that it was a short match, but Zack Ryder still got all his stuff in and Sheamus was able to no sell it and go right into the world take finish. I I don't like matches that are forced in rush like that. More making mm-hmm. too much of it. I think this is more of a here you go, Apollo. You have someone that looked really strong going into the match and if Apollo's whenever he came out and started hitting Sheamus if that's the intensity that he's going to bring up money in the bank and if this feud can continue to go a couple more pay-per-views maybe I think this will be a great first real feud for Apollo Crews and I think Sheamus beating a former newly former Intercontinental Champion in that kind of fashion just helps Apollo. I think that that's all that that was. Uh, Mark and, and Andy both, the group that we're in, there is a constitutional uh, thought that Apollo Crews is boring and has no future. Do you agree or disagree uh, as far as his beginning stages in his WWE career? And I'll start with Mark on that. I mean, considering... He has been in the WWE, including NXT, less than when Roman Reigns first debuted on Raw. I mean, as far as physical attributes and stuff, he'll be perfectly fine. If the WWE backstage promo folks can work with him and he can find his character and develop kind of a personality of some sort, any kind of personality, then he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, he's got the athletic ability for sure. And uh, I mean, if he, if he can't cut a promo, just like with Roman, if, if, if they can't cut a promo and they can't do it well, uh, that's when you bring a manager in and you, you, you know, you put a manager with them that's good on the mic and that kind of thing, kind of like what they did with uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. You know, Brock's not very good on the mic, so Paul Heyman steps in kind of thing. So uh, I think that's what WWE needs to do more is if they see that the guys, you know, is not able to cut a promo efficiently, uh, bring in a manager that can until the superstars to the level to where they can cut a good promo. So that's just my thoughts on that. I feel like managers are extremely underutilized. Like you can name Paul Heyman. But outside of that, we have valets. We don't have managers utilized anymore. And I think that would be a great thing. And I also think maybe uh, the New Day can bring out personality in him. But regardless of all that, we're going to have to see where that goes on. We're moving on now to what I feel like. Uh, not even what I feel like. We're all going to agree. It was the match of the night. Sami Zayn and Cesaro. We've seen it a thousand times before, but I've been watching it a thousand times before. Mark brought up a valid point, and they really didn't bring out any of their stuff in this match. It was just a really well-told story. 
Andy, do you like what you saw on Monday night and with Sami Zayn getting the finish and the win over Cesaro? I know a lot of people have a problem with Cesaro losing. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't lie to you, Anthony. I'm a big Cesaro fan, of course, because they call him the Swiss Superman. Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, they're trying to push Sami Zayn. I understand that. Uh, you know, and the strength that Cesaro has, uh, especially when he, you know, threw Big Show over the top rope to win the first annual uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, that was a show of his strength right there. So to... Uh, to have him put over Sami Zayn, um, I think that was just WWE's way of trying to push Sami uh, and give him a good push into the into the pay per view match that he's going to have. So, but like I said, I'm a big fan of Cesaro. Uh, his athletic ability just amazes me every time he gets in the ring. So, remember having the Mason Bennett wanting to tell the Daniel Bryan story with Sami Zayn. Because they think the crowd can get behind him just as much. Would you be okay with that? Yeah, I'd be okay with that because I was a big Daniel Bryant fan. I'm all, you know, I always root for the underdog. I was a big fan of, uh, you know, Zach Gowan when he was in the WWE, you know, the one-legged warrior. I was a big fan of him. So, I, I you know, I always root for the underdog uh, because I always feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm the underdog in life. Uh, so if, if that's what they're trying to do and they're trying to get the crowd behind him as an underdog, uh, you know, it may work. It just, just kind of depends if he's got the, you know, the personality on the microphone and he's able to get the crowd behind him like Daniel Bryan did. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan just had a way on the microphone where he could capture the crowd in a matter of seconds and, you know, and had the crowd behind him. So it's it's really hard to capture that magic if you don't have that kind of personality. So, you know, I guess we'll just see how it goes. I definitely think he does have that personality. I mean, here's a guy that got himself over to the baby face wearing a mask and not ever talking on the independent scene. And that's really hard to do in the face. So I've always thought that he had the talent, but I don't know how I feel about the underdog story, but I can definitely see it working. Mark, what do you think of the match in general and... The Sami Zayn compared to the Yeah, like I was telling you before, I mean, they didn't even pull out the high flying. They didn't pull out the back and forth strong style that they could have. Uh, the through the turnbuckle DDTs and all that. No haluva kick, no blue thunder bomb. It was a very basic match with an incredible ending and an incredible spot from Cesaro with the standing on the second rope suplex. Other than that, it was just a great match, back and forth psychology. I really don't understand how people have a problem with Cesaro losing. Um, I mean, the man went toe-to-toe with John Cena in an epic match. He's trying to help elevate someone who helped him down in NXT. But as far as the Daniel Bryan comparison, I've known this since he was in NXT. The three years it takes to get to a title match and then the celebration afterward. He might not have as well spoken on the mic as Daniel Bryan. Everything else about his personality just attracts people 
Uh, I really don't know what it is about him. He just, I guess, has an infectious personality just from facial expressions to mannerisms. And he sells like a million dollars. I have to agree with everything you just said there. Andy, do you have any final thoughts on anything? We'll move on. No, I like, you know, I agree with you guys. He's extremely athletic. I mean, you know. We'll just uh, we'll just see what else he's got up his sleeve at the at the pay per view, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's going to be pretty exciting. I want him to make that uh, finish that he hit on Cesaro. Somehow I finish. I don't know if everybody can take that move because Cesaro is just that athletic as well. But man, he hit that little sunset flip power bomb. I I was like, okay, if Cesaro gets up from that, I'm going to be pissed because nobody should get out of that. So that was my thought on that. We're going to move on now to the match that Stephanie made with a stipulation. I like matches like this where we have a stipulation and a tag match. And quite frankly, I'm tired of Kevin Owen being in tag matches that he walks out on all of them. And they all work towards this round and end with it. But if they lost this match, the Luke and Dragon were going to take their spot in Money in the Bank. And they fought each other the entire time. I kind of like the bickering that Alberto Del Rio and Kevin Owens do. Of course, they get the win with Kevin hitting the pop-up, and right when he flew over on his knees, Del Rio kicks him in the head to send a message and then spits on him. Mark, were you okay with this tag match and the dynamic between Owens and Del Rio in the post-match follow-up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely like matches that have some kind of meaning. I've always thought that they should have some kind of ranking system for titles, kind of like they do in the video game, where if you beat this guy, you move up one. If this guy loses, he moves down. So making a match actually mean something is a big plus. And congratulations to Kane, who made that match possible, thanks to Shane, you know, but it was Kane's idea. But yeah, the... Back and forth between Del Rio and Kevin, whenever Kevin becomes face, that's going to be an epic feud. I'm, I'm ready for Kevin to meet face, but at the same time, I just love what he does. Uh, Andy, I'm pretty sure you know by now I'm a huge Kevin Owens part, so he's my number one, and he does no wrong in my eyes. Do you think that he has probably a good shot to win money in the bank on Sunday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kevin Owens has a lot of talent. If you uh, if you even go on Twitter and see his retorts back and forth with uh, actual fans, it's it's pretty hilarious. I mean, he he pulls no punches with people, and if you uh, if you call him out on Twitter, he's gonna fire right back at you, right in character. And uh, that's you know that's something I really like about Kevin Owens and. You know, the fact that he's just uh, as athletic as he is for a bigger guy, uh, a lot of props to Kevin Owens for that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of always liked Kevin Owens ever since he's kind of came in. Sure, he's kind of brash, and sure he has the, you know, he, uh, oh, what am I trying to say here? He, uh, he kind of just gives it to people how it is, and if you don't like him, he's kind of like, well, screw you kind of thing. And, uh you know, um, I just, the back and forth between him and Del Rio was pretty good during the match. Now, the post-match where Del Rio spit on him, I remember when I saw that Monday night, and I was kind of like, whoa, you know, that was a little much. Uh, but, you know, if they were trying to sell across the point that the guys don't like each other, then I guess that's the that's the way to do it. 
completely agree. I thought it got him much of the heat that he needed to get. Uh, and I thought that was what they were trying to do. And there's more colluding to this. could be the beginning of a Kevin Owens face turn. Uh, and that could be happening Money in the Bank. We'll have to see. Although I think if Owens does win Money in the Bank, there's just no way that he turns. That leaves us, folks, to the main event of the evening. And I was so upset. And this goes about the Andy's point about how you're ending a show with things that don't interest us or things that we've seen a thousand times. We get a rematch from God knows how many times we've had it. Dean Ambrose and Jericho and all the participants of Money in the Bank are ringside. But in the end, you know, it just is what it is. It's a match. I saw no point in this whatsoever. Andy, am I being too critical? And did you, were you impressed or not impressed by the main event? Well, honestly, like you said, we've seen the match time and time again, similar to when, you know, Randy Orton was still around and we saw Randy Orton and the same guy over and over again. You know, you get kind of tired of seeing the same thing. And if you see the same thing again, you're like, you kind of zone out. But honestly, I thought the best part of this match was even before the match started with Cesaro as the, uh, as the ring announcer, I thought it was kind of funny that Cesaro said that, uh, uh, Chris Jericho was from Manitoba, Canada, but he was living in stupid idiotville. So I thought that was pretty entertaining how Cesaro, uh, you know, worked the mic like that and made it as entertaining as he could. So, uh, but like you said, that, you know, it's a match we've seen before, you know, who cares? There wasn't really a big cliffhanger at the end that kind of made me want to watch money in the bank, you know, uh, this Sunday. Um, you know, I'm always looking for that big cliffhanger at the end. I'm always looking for something that says, hey, this is why you need to tune in next week. That's why That's why big shows are successful, like The Walking Dead or like The Flash or like Arrow. They give you cliffhangers to make you want to watch the next episode. And I just wish the writers of WWE Creative would see that and see that we need some more, you know, some more cliffhangers like, you know, blow up Vince McMahon and something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a limo or something like that. And then let's port, point fingers that say, you know, a whodunit kind of thing. Or back when, you know, WCW had the whole, you know, the monster truck running into Hogan's vehicle and then they were trying to figure out who did that, you know, that kind of thing. Give me something at the end that makes me want to tune in that next week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know how much I feel about it. Reliving WCW moments. Those things were awful. But as far as I agree with you about the cliffhangers, I want to ask you though, now that we're going to get this brand extension, as they're calling it, with Raw and SmackDown, do you feel like that's going to help the creative team as far as making us lean in the next week? Because right now it feels like the SmackDown is just a regurgitated Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when they I think when they take uh, SmackDown Live here in July, a lot of things are going to change because they won't be able to edit things and uh, you know pull things out like they you know like they used to with SmackDown. Um, like I said, I was at a SmackDown Live event and you saw a lot of things live that you you know didn't necessarily see on the finished product when they put it out on Thursday nights. Uh, so I don't know if you know maybe they can you know, maybe Raw and SmackDown can kind of work together and not necessarily be, 
independent products of itself, but necessarily, you know, have Raw lead into SmackDown and then maybe have SmackDown have a cliffhanger at the end that makes you want to tune into Raw for the next week. Uh, you know, I don't know if they want to do something like that, but I mean, they've got to do something. Mark, do you agree or disagree? And tell us about this main event as far as ending the show. Okay, as far as the main event at the end of the show, it was your typical. Here's all the components of what's going to be the big match at this pay per view. Here, have fun. Um, it really didn't accomplish anything. I also don't know why they started the Monday before all on top of the ladder, cutting their promo. Maybe it's just to get all of it out in one segment. So we don't have to sit through multiple segments of each one telling us why they were going to be money in the bank. But as far as the cliffhangers and raw, I think the problem is right now that raw leads into SmackDown that leads into mall that leads into the SmackDown. I think with them being both live, I think you might get more cliffhangers because they're going to try to make you tune in to their show next week instead of the opposition's show. I think that's pretty fair. Now we're going to go to the greatest show in the best and worst segment of the night. So I'll start with Mark and I hear you for this format. And Andy can follow. So, Mark, go ahead and wrap it up for us. Okay. The best segment, it's actually going to be two segments. Just because the backstage segment between Cesaro and Sammy before their match, I thought Cesaro showed a lot of charisma, which I thought that way before his injury he was lacking. And, of course, the match just topped the whole night off for those two. Worst segment, I'm going to have to go with the main event. I could have actually sat through a six-man tag match rather than seeing a commentator, commentator, guest ring announcer, guest timekeeper. Although I will say that they haven't done that in quite a few years. It's normally all four of those people would have been commentators. Wasn't that uh, the last guy with the CM Punk thing with the, everybody walked out on Raw? Yeah, probably. Okay, so you did a great show, what? Oh, sorry. Uh, C+. Plus. C+, plus. that's kind of low for what I was going to do. Uh, Andy, I'll let you go next, and then I'll wrap it up. And uh, before we do, Andy, after your final thought, I want you to go ahead and tell everybody where they can follow you and your stuff that you have going on. So go ahead and bring the show for it. Tell us your back to work segment and anything else you'd like to add, sir. Honestly, I thought the best segment of the night, the most entertaining segment for me, was uh, was the Ambrose Asylum. I really enjoyed that banter between. All three members of the Shield. I've been a fan of the Shield ever since they debuted at Survivor Series that year. That you know that year. Uh, that was the most entertaining part for me of the night, just because I'm fans of all three of those guys. Um, honestly, the worst part of the night, like he said, the the main event. It was just a recycled. 
you know, version of a singles match that we'd already seen before. So I kind of tuned out and was like, you know, how much longer are they going to drag this out before, uh, before they finally end this thing? So as far as grading the show, um, you know, it had its entertaining points and that kind of thing. So maybe like a B minus kind of thing. So, um, and then as far as where you can follow me on social media, I have a Facebook page called uh, Cripple in the Corner. You can follow me at facebook.com slash cripple in the corner. I'm also on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at palsy positive because I'm pretty positive that I have cerebral palsy. And um, th those are the two places to find me as well as on YouTube. Just type in cripple in the corner and you know, all the videos that I have that I've created lately are there, and you can check those out and subscribe to the channel as well. And do you have any comedy coming up in the Midwest that you like for people to come out and see? Um, I've got some shows coming up in September. I don't have exact dates for those. I think September 16th, I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, a comedy contest. I made it to the, to the finale of that, so that's going to be... Uh, September 16th in Lagodi, Indiana at Bradley's Bar and Grill. Um, and I've got another one coming up uh, sometime in Jasper in, uh, in September, but I don't have an exact date nailed down on that one yet. So we'll be sure to plug that for you and get your information out. Looking forward to that for sure. Mark, you had something you wanted to add before I get to my final thoughts? Okay, so. I have to change my grade overall simply because of one thing. John Cena versus AJ Styles promo back and forth and the contract signing in which we kind of uh, skipped over that part of the show. I'd like to thank Felicia for not including it in the Bullet Club references, referencing every single independent, except for that no-name company that couldn't get their TV station to work properly. The show gets a B. Yeah, that was actually a really great segment. I like how John Cena tested AJ Styles' manhood. Andy, quickly, what did you think about that segment between Cena and Styles? That segment was actually pretty hilarious, uh, especially when AJ Styles told John Cena to go somewhere with his Kmart shopping ass. Uh, that was that was pretty funny. I, I you know I enjoyed that. Of course, John Cena's passionate on the microphone, no matter what he says. Uh, he's always good at cutting promos. Uh, so it's you know it's it's always cool to see two guys go back and forth, especially when they throw in some real life. Uh, tension that they have between each other that just kind of sells it more to the crowd and uh overall it was a you know it was a pretty entertaining segment completely agree and i love that and also i want to give a shout out to the new day rev and kofi along with uh Enzo and Jess. to me that was probably my most entertainment thing making fun of the shoes that was great my worst segment of the night i'm gonna go with the charlotte match i'm sorry just people that love women's wrestling like I do as well. I just could not stand how many boxes there were. And the story that they're telling just doesn't interest me. I'm going to give it a little bit better grade than y'all, though. I'm going to go at least a B plus. We got Dan Tanner, Brian Cotton, and Damian Lawson, the usual suspects, all in the room. And, of course, Dan gave it an A-. minus. like that. 
Halloween premiere. You want you know that we want Sasha and Hulkamania 33 taking down Gawker. We're going to get into that on the weekend show, I'm sure. And Brian says, if his kid was later and going on, Andy, I don't know if you know this or not, but we got, when we talk about the Ricochet Willow Spray match on Twitter, and we got into some heat with Vader. So now, Wrestling Goods Radio and Big Man Vader are at war with each other. Interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, um, I don't know that I'd want to get in a fight with uh, with Big Van Vader. Uh, sure, he's an older guy, but uh, I'm pretty sure he could still kick all of our asses. So. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, that's what we do here, sir. We go right in the line of fire. Bring it on, Leon White. We're waiting on you. Bring it to the podcast, sir. Uh, I want to thank everybody on Facebook Live tonight, including my old teacher, Miss Nod, and everybody else participating in the chat. Especially the guys that are usually on the show. Salute to you. Appreciate you always. Everybody listen to us on wrestlingradio.blogspot.com. Where you can find all of our social media Facebook, Twitter, Nova Plus, Instagram. And get us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just give us a like and subscribe there. And give us a rating of five. We greatly appreciate that. Everything you do supporting us, we couldn't do it without you. I'm also going to be doing a whole lot of other stuff coming up with my buddy Jason Kyrie. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be outside of the wrestling world. A lot of people want to see what I'm thinking outside of the square circle, so I'm going to give you that opportunity. I don't have any info knocked down right now, but stay tuned for that, and I will get it to you. We also want to thank Max Sports Channel and Power Station FM. We are on two radio stations globally syndicated every single week. The Doom Squad is live and coming at you. So for Mark Pitts and myself, Anthony Hammond, the host, we want to thank Cripple in the Corner, Andy Hamlet, for joining us. And you're welcome back anytime, buddy. Wrestling News Radio, the podcast from the IWC for the IWC. We will see you guys. All right, guys, we are, that's a wrap. I'm at uh, 46 minutes, so I'm going to get this edited up tomorrow and then be ready to go. All right, man, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, man. No, anytime, man, and anything we can do for you, you just let us know. All right, Anthony, I appreciate it, brother. You take care of yourself. Yes, sir, you too. Thanks, Mark. All right, later. Bye.